Hello and welcome back to the My Entertainment World podcast and the nominee interview series, about half of which is happening on our podcast feed this year. The other half is happening in print on myentertainmentworld.ca, so be able, be sure to check out everything that's happening over there, including the rest of the interviews. Um, today I am speaking with Augusta Gus Monet, aka Coyote Ugly. Uh, Gus is one of our outstanding performance supporting role uh, nominees this year, um, and their, for their work in Dr. Faustus, which was produced by Apothecary Theatre slash Dandelion Theatre uh, right around Halloween, and it was such a creepy, memorable, interesting, sort of semi-immersive show where Gus brought their um, drag character, Coyote Ugly, and it was Coyote Ugly who was actually playing the role of Mephistopheles. So it's sort of like a triple layer where you've got Gus playing Coyote Ugly, who's playing Mephistopheles in a script that was devised by Gus themselves, as well as their uh, collaborator, James Evans. So who actually appears a little bit in this interview as well. So thanks to James for stepping in uh, to provide us a little bit more context as well. So it was really cool catching up with Gus and getting to know them outside of their devilish incarnation from their very memorable performance. So I hope you enjoy our chat and I'll catch you on the other side. Um, so I always start with the same question. Can you remember your first experience with theater? Um, yes. I think technically it would probably be, um, so my parents are not religious, but the nearest school um, in our neighborhood was a Catholic school. Um, so I was there for a few years. And so probably a Christmas pageant where um, a lot of the dramatic tension rested on the uh, the very loudly crying baby that maybe didn't want to be the star of the show, um, baby Jesus. But um, I think in sort of like actual theater, um, probably the production of um, The Tempest that William Hutt was in. Um, I was very tiny, um, but I had, uh, we visited because I, our grandparents live in Stratford. And um, it was very special because he was his sort of, he didn't, um, he ended up not at that point, but it was like, this is my final show. Um, and so I just remember the the presence he came out as Prospero and just like raising the spear and just the audience just roaring like a tempest and just that blew my tiny mind. Um, and how did you, t uh, how did the concept for Dr. Faustus come about? Uh, so um, that's, that's a, that's a very interesting question. I, uh, I got uh, the idea for it last March um, because of a lot of reasons. Um, so basically what was happening in that, my life at that point was, um, a lot of tests and, um, pretty bad medical stuff because, uh, I am last January, I, uh, was, I, I, uh, started getting quite sick. Um, and I'm still searching for answers in the medical system. Uh, but, uh, I, that was a particularly dark period because also my partner was away um, and my friend and collaborator, James, uh, was basically there to pick up the pieces as I was extremely like sick and depressed. Um, and just in one of our conversations, like we were just talking about um, drag and theater uh, because I also do drag, but I originally I went to school for acting. Um, and the idea of like 
combining it in a classical play. And then separate from that, um, I had been, I just talked about Faust because we were like, it's an old play, but nobody does it. And like, why? And of course, you know, because there's so many complications that we had to address. Um, but I just sort of out of nowhere, um, like had the idea of like, what if it was a two hander, uh, you know, um, Faust and his demon, uh, and James took that idea and was like, no, actually like, let's, let's do this. And then, um, we told our, like our, uh, director, uh, Max, and he was like, no, yeah, let's do this. Uh, then it, uh, continued from there. Um, so tell us a little bit about your drag character, Coyote Ugly, and how he came into your interpretation as Mephistopheles. Totally. Um, so I started doing drag almost two years ago, um, deep in uh, troubled times. And that was coming from a lot of frustration because um, the past few years, um, I had just been sort of applying myself to grant after grant after grant in the theater industry and was just coming up fruitless because, um, you know, obviously there's so much talent out there, but as, as any sort of, you know, person who writes grants knows it's, it's a lot of like putting so much of yourself into a piece of paper and then it's like a, you know, a no thank you. Um, and I was feeling a little, yeah, um, like out of place because also, you know, I graduated 2019 right before um, the pandemic hit. And it was sort of like four years of being in very close sort of contact with the same like ugh, 15 people um, for hours of the day. And then you go and you hang out after because you none of you have time to make any friends outside of your program. Uh, and then we all just sort of, you know, uh, combusted. So, yeah, I was feeling... Um, alienated from a world that like from a very young age I had like devoted myself to um and you know as 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 everybody does but yeah it was just a it was pretty depressing and I was looking for an outlet any kind of outlet to show my feelings um I guess but I had been intrigued by drags um actually in my senior year of university because we had to do um like a a BA thesis and I did it on the idea of drag as a form of clown uh specifically the bouffant sort of tradition um which is like you know um exaggerating or gro like sort of creating a grotesque uh grotesque out of exaggerated traits as well as spinning the joke back to the audience constantly um because you know in like you regular clown that the joke is always on them um and i basically argued that drag acted in the same sort of way because it's exaggerating basically um in queer people it is exaggerating the parts of them that don't fit into society and that makes people really uncomfortable like you you don't like when a man wears a dress but what if what if he also had like the biggest wig you've ever seen, the nicest heels you've ever seen, lashes out to here and boobs like out to there. Now, how do you feel? Um, that's sort of, yeah. Um, and so after that, I'd always thought like, but I didn't really see any drag kings. Um, and that was a really big thing. And so I started looking online, um, you know, when I was still just toying with the idea. Um, and I found like the few that were in 
Toronto. Um, amazing. Um, Kurt Comstein, I think, was one of the first like kings from here, um, as well as Alexander Brandy um, and Zachy Lime. Uh, but yeah, again, I just I didn't have the courage uh, until the pandemic, until I was feeling strung out and alone and kind of then having that freedom in the anonymity. Uh, so, yeah, I, uh, I um, but yeah, so as sorry, um, as part of that thesis, I developed my own drag character. Um, at the time, he was called Scratch Moonsong, uh, but uh, I, you know, changed the name for a bunch of reasons. Um, so, yeah, um, in terms of style of drag, it draws a lot from theater and uh, clown, uh, as well as punk um, and like alternative music. Um, it just because of uh, who I grew up with um, as a father, um, he is an aging punk. Um, and so a lot of like, my early like media stuff was like political cartoons and like zines and like um, this one no effects record that was just constantly on loop in the car. Um, so the idea of punk and theater was a really big part of what created Coyote. Um, yeah, uh, I hope I hope that absolutely. That's so interesting. And then how did he get incorporated into your interpretation of Mephistopheles, the character? And then how did they sort of layer together to create sort of like, you're playing a character as Coyote, who's playing a character as Mephistopheles? Totally. Um, so basically the idea of bringing drag and specifically Coyote as a drag king to Mephistopheles uh, was sort of one of the ideas um, that we sort of were taking into the script as to queer people looking at um, this this work and finding a lot of queer subtext and sort of having um, the idea of a drag artist um, be kind of like a divine angel because they're out of like they're you don't know what gender they are um, they're a little bit sickening they're a little bit beautiful um, the idea then um, that I think the idea of bringing specifically Coyote to it uh, is because he has a lot of like punk and he has a lot of theater. He has a lot of like teeth and he's sort of as a character. Um, I was pictured him as, you know, um, a con man on the wrong side of the tracks, but like something demonic. Um, and just the idea, because especially in the time at that time, um, you know, there's a, there still is a lot of demonizing of uh, drag people and queer people. And that was kind of the idea of bringing like a drag um, persona to Mephistopheles. Um, and yeah, and just the idea of also Faust as a queer character seeing like what would like the ideal look like to him and what is it that he can't have and that he's afraid of. Because um, I think a huge part of Marlowe's um, work, looking at it as someone who was extremely sick at the time, um, extremely queer, is just the idea of being damned and living with that knowledge. And um, just no matter how much you accept it, there will always be that feeling of like, I can't go back home. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot, of, a lot of reasons to bring drag into it, um, especially because Coyote, um, as I paint him and as like looking at him as like, say you'd look at a mask, like a theater mask. Um, 
he's sort of painted to be a gargoyle in the sense that it's like a scary face to scare off bad spirits. Um, and I think that's important to my drag. And I think one of the sad things um, about the media at the time about like the idea of like grooming and like children and stuff is that I, and I feel like I could extrapolate and say this for a lot of drag performers, um, the character that they create is kind of who they wanted to be around as a kid, you know? Like, Coyote is a son of a bitch, but he would have protected me. That makes and sort of, yeah, that idea as well of, like, the drag. Um, yeah, the, another persona and playing that also into it being another side of Faust. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Can you tell us a little bit more about the development of the script itself and whittling it down to those two characters with James? Totally. Um, I actually, I have James nearby, uh, right. if you'd like to. Hey, yeah. Fun. Yeah, I'd love to just be able to talk about it uh, with you as well. Just it was extremely, uh, yeah, very, very, quite collaborative. I'm here also. Hello, come on in. <laughs> this is Faust. <laughs> uh, what was it like to slim down the script? Well, uh, um, really early on when we figured out it was just going to be the two actors, it was like, all right, where can you find like a net to play? you know, a game with that. Uh, uh, and when we had that line, there's a line in the sort of final monologue where he says, oh, you have one hour to yeah. live and then you have to be damned perpetually. We went, okay, well, what if we just did whatever that hour is? Um, and then this idea of Faustus already being in hell and it's mm -hmm. sort of repeating that hour forever. Mm -hmm. um, and that, yeah. you know, Mephistopheles is sort of selling tickets to the, to the show. Yeah, and in a way it kind of helps because it is such a vast show because they go so many places, but yeah. framing it as... Um, they're in their own sort of pocket dimension, you know, because Faust is in his own little hell um, that, you know, Mephistopheles is showing off to everyone. Then we can play in that space and we can, like, enact everything and anything just yeah. between two people. Um, yeah, and, and the Mephistopheles that, that uh, Gus created and that, like, Coyote embodies isn't a Mephistopheles that exists in the play as written by Marlowe, where... He, he sort of dresses as a priest or a monk, yeah. and he's only around sometimes. We wanted to take the idea that it's it's uh, Mephistopheles' world. So uh, every there are a lot of characters sort of subsumed by Mephistopheles. You've got the the chorus, the good and bad angels, Lucifer, mm -hmm. the seven deadly sins, uh, yeah. Beelzebub, uh, um, and the scholars, and Helen, Helen of yeah. Troy, ultimately. So uh, Mephistopheles, as played by Coyote Ugly, is a much bigger character, much more encompassing, like uh, an, an original character, I think. Um, compared to what's in the uh, uh, old Marlowe play. So oh, it was very cool to watch up close on stage to see this character come into like existence. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like also, um, yeah, just the going back to the idea of if this then is all Mephistopheles or if it's all Faust, then Faust is really just damning himself over and over forever again. Um, also, yeah, because there wasn't a lot in the script, it was a lot of looking at the history of Mephistopheles as a demon, Mephistopheles in pop culture. Um, but yeah, also in like um, the poem, the original poem that, you know, like the the books that were of Faust that uh, Marlowe didn't happen to write. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And a lot of looking into what the history was like of like the actors who would play the devil often. Yeah. Um, and that was also where the element of drag came in. It, uh, it was James found this out. But yeah, they often um, if you needed a devil for a show, you'd get a kid off of the street um, and you'd give them firecrackers and they'd run around the stage 
you would unleash them at certain points in the play. So there was yeah. a real feeling of danger um, uh, at the to, to go see a play like this, where they they weren't as clear at this point in the distinction between um, real life and and fiction and the idea of uh, I don't remember who said it, but they said you know they they didn't believe that they that the devil could hear the air quotes. Yeah. Uh, so when you did a play of, about evoking demons, uh, that you know, yeah. it was risque even then. Yeah, it's just a, like um, I a lot of when I was worried and I was like getting in my head about finding the right Mephistopheles and like you know looking back on all this um, different iterations of him. Um, it was again uh, James reminded me of just a Tom Waits quote, which is from when uh, someone asked how he played the devil in a movie, and he said, "Just gotta relax." <laughs> Oh. How yeah. did how did the immersive elements of the play come together? And do you have any memorable moments from those many interactions? Definitely. Um, yeah, they, we uh, kind of wanted the play to be semi-interactive ever since we had the idea that this was a show that Mephistopheles was showing to other demons in hell, um, you know, charging tickets for. And then, so what's the nature of that? Like, what's the nature of the carnival barker to the audience? you know, the one pulling in for the freak show. Um, but also, as very anxious people, uh, we don't always like um, being interactive in yeah. theater. Uh, and so um, Beth Ayrton, who stage managed and um, produced on behalf of Apothecary, uh, came up with this concept where the vi when the visitors come in, we give them masks or horns, depending on whether they'd like to be a demon that I can interact with or if they just want to be a, a silent uh, perceiver. And um, that that went really well. I think memorable moments for me in terms of live things was um, whenever uh, I would get someone to play sloth <laughs> because there's a section where I invite people up to help me enact out the seven deadly sins. And like without fail, people would get into sloth and just like fall onto the floor <laughs> I'd just be like, oh, there they are. Um, I remember what, draw, bringing up some like old guy that was really into it. And then afterwards, Max, like, yeah, no, that guy is like a mask master. <laughs> um, and also, yeah, um, on the very first night, uh, my sunglasses broke on stage yeah. and that was really fun. Um, it was really stressful going in um, just because our soundboard had melted the day before. Um, and so we had to go in that day and like do the dress rehearsal and then do the first show that night. Um, but like we had all, it all came together um, uh, because, you know, we're, I think we're pretty cool. Um, and my team is amazing. Um, but uh, if, if I may, when the glasses broke on stage, uh, Gus Coyote is world class. The glasses <laughs> broke on stage right as Mephistopheles was stepping into the ring of salt. Yeah. And his sunglasses fall off of the costume and shatter. And without missing a beat, he just looks at me and goes, ominous. And it worked perfectly in the moment. And it was, there was never, yeah. the, the illusion was never in jeopardy. Yeah. It and was so like, it was a gift. It was a gift. And then it was helpful going forward because anytime there was a mistake, we saw it as a gift. And it often was. Because the play was cursed, you know? Yeah. It's, it's only as cursed as it is while you're doing it, you know? So mm -hmm. for us, when something like that happened, it was kind of like, oh, that's cursed. Yeah. You know, bad magic. Like, well, that's, going. you know, we're on the ride. We're just, yeah. you know, yeah. we strapped in. Um, so you mentioned Beth. So tell us a little bit about some of the rest of the production team and how the whole group came together. Yeah. Um, so it's a pretty small company. Um, 
Max, uh, who is the sort of, oh, sorry. Um, Max Ackerman was a director um, and he runs Dandelion Theater uh, in Toronto. Um, we, the three of us sort of got into contact because we worked on a uh, not great um, Shakespeare show that I, uh, that I'm not going to name. Um, but <laughs> uh, yeah, that got us talking and we ended up doing Winter's Tale with him. And then just when we talked to Faust, he was just the one who was just like, let's do it for Halloween. And we were like, Halloween, of course. Um, and yeah, he's honestly great director. Um, really enjoy working with someone who, yeah, just understands acting as well and, and is able to sort of tell you what he wants um, without being, uh, you know, just saying, do this, do that, <laughs> I guess. Um, Beth Ayrton is my partner um, and the other uh, sort of co-founder of Apothecary Theatre. Um, they've worked in a lot of uh, theatre. Uh, so they mainly what they love is stage managing, um, but they've also, uh, they did some film and television work um, during the pandemic mainly. Um, and they like to call themselves a professional people wrangler because that's sort of um, a lot oftentimes what the job ends up being, whatever the, the title is. And it's something that they're very good at. Um, yeah, uh, they've. Yeah, we didn't waste a second. They were on us. Like, yeah. The whole time that the rehearsal schedule yeah. and we were in perfect care. Yeah. Even when like there and there were as it was a cursed show, you know, there's a lot of curveballs thrown at us during that time. Um and so even like, yeah, but some, nothing seemed to be able to upset the, the march of progress that Beth had put out for us. Um, Max has very, like, you know, brought like his taste in music and just the vibes and the atmosphere so that no matter how like nerdy we got, mm -hmm. he had, uh, he was laying down track yeah. for us. Um, and speaking of music, uh, Ben Ayrton, uh, he's, uh, uh, currently a student at Queens, uh, and he's looking into uh, sound production. Um, he has mo mostly experience as a DJ is the funny thing, but he, uh, first of all, found some really wonderful, cheeky, uh, like songs that like set the tone or like was just especially really important for our show because it was so much about time and music kind of decorates time. Um, but also just um, most mo like the most kudos to him for the very sickening uh, skull crunch sound that we got at the end. It was it was wet. It was nasty. It's perfect. Um, oh, and Za, yes, lighting. Oh my god, incredible! A gunslinger. Mm -hmm. You know the timing on all of that was incredible. They know what they're doing. Yeah, small um, team. But small team. Everyone yeah. was incredible. Um, and yeah, this the lighting was just. Um, I think one critic was like, it was garish, but like perfect because it was like for that tone. Cause you know, we're at, we're at a carnival. We're at like the most horrifying carnival ever. And uh, Za really sort of took that and ran with it. Um, so did you have a favorite moment in the production? Mm. There's a few, I think. Um, I enjoy uh, specifically, and I remember this line stood out to me when um, I, I was first looking at the script 
Um, but Mephistopheles and Faust are arguing. Uh, you know, Mephistopheles is like, no, you, because uh, it's interesting. He's a demon and he doesn't really have to lie because he's, he tells Faust all the time, we're in hell. Like, we're, we're already there, buddy. Um, and Faust is again insisting on this moment of like trying to think of heaven. Um, and Mephistopheles just says, like, before leaving in anger, like, remember this. And just the idea of that's, that's just, uh, especially because in ours, the idea is that it's like a constant loop that Faust doesn't really seem to remember. Um, it's just, it was like, even in that script with like the few sort of personality traits that Mephistopheles has, it stood out because it reminded you of this sort of bond that the two souls have to each other. Um, and also just the idea of like, remember these times when we're passing time with arguing because, you know, Faust gets a demon, he can do anything he wants in the world. And what does he want to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's sort of like, you know, you go on and remember the times that you wasted too. You know, and that you were having a good time, probably. <laughs> what do you hope the audiences took away from the production? Hmm. I I really hope that they take away the idea of if where we are is hell, how do we keep going? How do we find each other? And it's through moments of connection, like the remember this. It's about, as cheesy as it sounds, but like talk to your neighbors, try to actually form a community. Um, yeah, uh, make, make do in hell. Uh, just continue to take care of each other. And I want them to be excited and I want them to look into uh, the black arts. <laughs> because I'm a wicked witch and <laughs> I'm looking to convert. No. <laughs> um, so now is your opportunity to talk about any upcoming projects or plug your socials, anything you want to shout out. Ooh. Um, so um, I guess I'll, I'll start with my uh, socials um, in terms of uh, my theater company. Oh, it can be found at uh, on Instagram at Hothcary theater co. Um, and definitely look there for any upcoming news uh for my drag account um i have an instagram and a tiktok and both of those are at coyote ugly um and in terms of shows coming up uh i recently got involved with an, an all king's house in toronto here uh, that we've we've dubbed ourselves the frat house and we are going to be competing in empire's ball um may march 7th um so look out for that. And also my drag birthday is coming up. Oh, my God. Uh, it's going to be two years uh, in on February 23rd at Handlebar. Uh, in terms of theater, do we want to, like... Go ahead, whatever you feel like we can disclose to no. the public. Um, yeah, we've been, we've been churning. We've been churning. Um, we've been churning. We seem to have um, project separation anxiety. Yes. So we are working together again uh, because we have similar anxieties. And so we're able to soothe when one spirals yes. and then vice versa. Um, but yeah. Would you like to mention? Um, yeah. Well, we've started looking at, it's funny, Faust actually led us to, um, this next project because we started looking at you know what um, 
you know, occultism and magic was back then and who was doing it and how did it continue? How does it here? Um, and that sort of led to us discovering uh, the alchemist John Dee, who is an incredibly interesting um, human and uh, is basically the uh, archetype of like who you think of when you see a wizard. Um, basically, he is that tall, long beard um, and was very involved. Uh, but he uh, specifically he the work that he did with Edward Kelly um, involved them scrying and trying to talk to angels and trying to form their own language uh, that came on to be uh, that was called Enochian. Um, and so right now um, we're looking at, yeah, doing perhaps a four-hander and trying to find a space in the narrative for the wives. Yeah. The Janes. The <laughs> because uh, John and Edward both married a Jane. Um, and sort of looking at the invisible work and like, where was women in this world of magic? Because it's it's a boys club, that kind of magic. Um, so yeah, uh, look out for, um, I believe we're looking at calling it Mort Lake. Lake. Because that was that was where they lived. Yeah, it sounds like a great place for wizards. Yeah, they're truly an Adams family esque um, operation. Uh, yeah, and we're also uh, looking at doing more dragon classical theater. Yeah. Um, so we might be trying to create like a Troilus and Cressida. Um, so yeah, just uh, at Apothecary uh, Co. Theater Co. Um, okay, keep in cool. touch. And do you have anything you'd like to add? Hmm. That's a very good question. Um, just uh, this all whole thing is very strange to me, and um, I it was an extremely hard year um, for a lot of reasons. Um, and it's weird to look back and see, like, oh, I I did do something good in that time, um, and, it, and it existed, and 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 other people saw it. Um, and it's just, it feels very weird to have created something that seems to be good during a very low point. Um, but, uh, it just, uh, it, it means a lot to me, um, cause I think, you know, it's been a year now, um, like I mentioned, since I've been sick and, uh, it's meant a lot to me that I was able to still use that year, um, to the best of my ability because, like Faust, I'm a little bit obsessed with time. Um, which, <laughs> um, so just thank you. Um, this and this, this, um, this means a lot. Thank you. Well, you're so welcome. I'd say you used the year fairly well. <laughs> yeah, James, is there anything you'd like to add? As since oh, yeah. we have you here, do you want to like wax I poetic just, a little bit about guests? Yeah, I just want to say like um, this: uh, the experience of putting on. Dr. Faust is like, I can't compare it to anything because um, I don't know if I'll ever have another collaborator like Coyote was during this whole process. The shape-shifting, all-purpose intellect that could like assume any idea, any, it was incredibly inspiring and uh, it'll definitely keep me going for a long time because it's just, it's, yeah, it's incomparable. Couldn't say, couldn't say better things. Like just the best collaborative experience I've ever had. Oh, I got to end this call now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> compliments, accept the compliments. Yeah. Okay. He's thank the real you. deal, yum, everybody. Yum, 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 yum. The real deal. Yum, yum, yum. All right. Well, thank you both so much. Thank you. Have a good one. You too.
Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to check out the website, myentertainmentworld.ca, for all of our coverage and the entire nominee interview series, both podcast, audio versions, and we have a bunch in print for you this year. So make sure you don't miss anything from the series as well as our other podcast series that are happening all the time. So make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social media at myentworld, my ENT world on both X and Instagram, as well as My Entertainment World on Facebook. Uh, Thanks again.